Alright, what's up guys? This is None of This Really Matters. Thank you for listening to another episode. And um, for this episode, I, I have to mention that uh, we now have a social... We have now have a Instagram that I would like you to follow. It's None of This Really Matters. I'm promoting it on my personal Instagram. And go follow me on there, Nathan.McGeorge. Follow, Nath- or follow None of This Really Matters, please. And just keep up with all the movie reviews I do and all the updates on the podcast and new content, whatever. Because there might be new shit, but for now, it's movie, almost daily movie reviews. So if you could go follow that, that'd be fucking sweet. So let's get started with this episode. And also, please like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Because that really helps out me, the producer. Uh, yes, sir. And please excuse the ghetto car alarm in the background. <laughs> I forgot that was open. All right, tag that. But uh, moving on with this episode. Or right, let's get this episode started. Um, The movie I really, I told you about it, Rob. The movie I really want to talk about yes. is Ad Astra with Brad Pitt. And I watched it while I ate half an edible, and it was one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like, I told Rob, like, this was top five movies ever. Because, one, when I first saw it, it it just came out, and I bought it, like, right when it came out on DVD. And uh, I saw it, and I was like, wow, this is, like, very different from like a regular like I thought it was going to be sci-fi mm-hmm. but really it's just in outer space. Yes, it's a, what would you consider? I don't know what their genre would be like a drama or like a It I call it a fuck like a I call it like a character study where it's just like there's no like crazy like story arc or like you know like mm. acts it's just a character study. So that's what I would consider it, but it uses outer space as a backdrop. And I, while I was watching it, or going back to when I saw it the first time, I was like, "This is like one of the, my favorite, uh, like outer, like space movies, like astronaut movies, whatever." And then um, I don't know what it was. I think I just remembered the cinematography of it because I really liked the coloring of of the of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then. I was like, I should watch it again because I haven't seen it in like two years, maybe, or like a year and a mm-hmm, half, mm-hmm. or since it, whenever it came out. I'm, I know it came out in 2019, but I think it came out late in 2019. But I just remember the cinematography of it and the lighting, and I was like, I should watch it again just to see like if it still holds up, mm-hmm. you know, like if I still like it. And I watched it again, high as fuck, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I cry. I cried like three times. Be- why? Because I'm not laughing at the crying. It just it's just why three times. I can think of one time, but why three? Three times because the part where um, he's on the moon and he's at the station where he's going to be sent to Neptune. It, uh, the people want him to. Or the people want Brad Pitt to record a message to send to his dad. And while, and they give him like a script, right? Right. Of like, oh, uh, th- we're going to do this and we're going to be leaving at this time. We should be here around 
this time at your location kind of thing, right. like whatever. And then he keeps on saying it and saying it. I think he says it like twice. And on the third, they like retake basically. And on the third time, he doesn't do the script and he just speaks like straight from the heart. And he says all the shit like, I miss you. You know, you weren't there and all that shit and like mm-hmm. asking questions. And that shit fucking hit me, dude. And I was like, he really misses his dad. Yep. Like, he always, his character is, like, so, like, shunning. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just absolutely cold. Yeah, and no emotion. Because he's an astronaut. You have to be. You know what I mean? And right. his his logic in life is that. He's not even just an astronaut. He's, like, an astronaut that, like, mm-hmm. from the future where they're in space a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's. That takes a cold type of motherfucker. And his, like, logic in life is that. He, uh, or someone asked him, like, oh, you don't have any kids? And he was like, no, like, I only have a wife because you don't want to subject anybody to, you know, this kind of lifestyle where you're not going to be around kind of thing. And that's why in the movie, at the beginning of the movie, he's, you know, like, his girl leaves him. Mm -hmm. And what I, let me talk about the cinematography real quick. When his mom, or his mom, when, when his lady leaves him, it shows him in the kitchen and his ladies at the front door. But the camera is focused on him. And then when he turns over to the girl, the camera doesn't focus on the girl. And that's kind of like a symbol of how he's only focused on himself mm-hmm. because of his job. So the the lady, he's not even focused on her. You not know what even. I mean? She's talking to him and he's like, he's like so dude. not even here right now. Like, you know what I mean? Kind of like I've been expecting you to leave. essentially. Yeah. He was like, I, the life I live, you, like it's almost unfair. It is unfair to her, you know, mm-hmm. based on the things he does, because that's what his dad did. He yeah. left them. And then, um, I, t- and then the part that really got me not crying, but like the part that got me like, so like, that got my my endorphins really like going, and it made me like feel like really like like have this like cosmic feeling of when he arrives on the moon. It's uh, or no, um, not when he arrives on the moon. When he's on his way to the station where he's gonna go to Neptune. Mm-hmm. So he's already on the moon, but he's going to a different place. Mm-hmm. When when they're like traveling like just the roads of the moon, they make it. Um, like it's this spiritual like 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 this is where he belongs type of yeah thing. like this spiritual just like cause you know what i mean like he he's feeling like the dust in the wind mm-hmm. and he's looking at the texture of the floor it's just this and like the music that go the score is crazy score is crazy the score is absolutely insane i don't remember many lines from the movie i remember a lot of the shots mm-hmm. and how i felt that's why i knew it was a good movie mhm it's it's so like it's crazy. Like that scene like, you're talking about with the moon, I was like, I felt maybe because, I don't know, not to cut you off, but I think mm-hmm. it maybe is the uh, my connection to the military, especially the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the stuff that he said and did, like, a lot of his, a lot of his actions are a lot of pilots in the military. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are like, it's not, I don't never, any, never know if it's anybody loves their job that much as so much as it is, like, you're good at a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, some people aren't good at being a husband and a and a father. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what the word society expects of you, and some people yeah. do that because that's what your mom wants or something or your dad or whatever happens. Yeah, it's like a, just something that 
I hate saying I hate saying this word, but society. Yeah. That like puts on you like the I don't pressure even say society. You. I think it really is like built into you to want to procreate, but then you have to deal with society. After. Yeah. It's not like you're dealing with another animal. Mm-hmm. It's like I had to deal with society and this animal that I'm raising. Mm-hmm. You know, but that movie really touched me because I'm like, there's a lot of military people who mm-hmm. lose their families, they lose their children or there's people that Amanda met because she was Space Command mm-hmm. where they were like if I needed a wife the Air Force would issue me one. Oh shit. Yeah and it's like there's people that's what I liked about that movie that he was capturing that like this is mm-hmm. what the fuck I do. And I really liked how colors really played a factor in, in something that could have been very black and white. Yeah, Dude I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like this movie is very colorful, and like colors are honestly like a character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because I literally, in the notes I wrote down about the movie, I put when he's on, uh, not on Neptune, but when he's like you know on the ship outside, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the 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 yellow that's like flashing. I look at that. I thought of that as like his pulse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the more, um, like. Or the more darker it got, basically the more orange the yellow colors got, it means like the more angry he was getting. You yeah. know what I mean? Because he's with his dad for the first mm-hmm. time. You in know, what, 40 years maybe? In like, yeah, since he was a child. Child, child. And, and he's, he's like f- almost 50 in the movie. Yeah, because he's like, he's a pilot, but I don't know if he's an Air Force. I think he's like a retired mm-hmm. military pilot who does that for a living mm-hmm. now. Like, do, like, what does he do? Transport cargo or something like that? Mm-hmm. He does something where he goes up and down a lot, right? Where yeah. He has to he, go back and and it's like maintenance of the shit that's above the earth. Yeah. So he has to go up there a lot. Mm-hmm. So. And, and like, the way he is as a character is like his um, his heartbeat is like at like fifty beats yeah, per minute. Yeah, that's what they like. loved. Then they say that's why the military loved him when he was in. They were that's like, why they sent him to Neptune. Yeah, they were like, for you have the most steady heartbeat. And I took that as like that, not the science fiction part of it, but that's what made him super mm-hmm. because a lot of. That's what made him extraordinary. Yes. A lot of those people do have to be like, and that's what made him stone cold. Is like, you don't realize how much your heartbeat plays a role in your reaction time to yeah. things. Like, like, I, like in the beginning of the movie, there was that accident. Yeah. And, and that's, like, why they sent, that's why they sent him to Neptune. Like the whole time he's fucking falling and his parachute has a hole in it. He's just, you like, there's no, there's a score, but you hear his just breathing of like deep breaths and the whole fucking time. And he never, I think I love that too, because that is like, he never panicked. Pan, mm-hmm. When you panic, you die. Mm-hmm. That's like spec ops people. That's their like mm-hmm. motto. You panic, you die. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to say like for him, he doesn't have like inner rage and he's not like overcompensating. So it's not like that kind of story. It's just he's very vulnerable when he's when he when it comes to his dad and he's like it's almost like his true colors come out mm-hmm. and like when because there's a part in the movie where he's not allowed to be on the ship because he um, his heart rate went over like a certain number and when it's like a test you know mm-hmm. it's like a test you have to take and if you pass the test then you're allowed to come aboard kind of thing mm-hmm. but he wasn't allowed because he freaked out on somebody. And so, but when he went onto the ship, 
he was like turning into his da- of how his dad is, and you hear the stories about how what his dad did to his crew. Mm-hmm. You he's doing the same exact thing to the crew that he doesn't even know, and so like when when it comes down to like how obsessed he is with his work, he that's like his like primal instinct is like. I have to get this shit done. I'm going to do this at no other cost. Whether you think I'm fucking crazy or not, because his dad killed his entire crew mm-hmm. because they wanted to go back, but he's like, no, we're out I here. I am going to find what I'm looking for. And so, and, and that's what the, I mean, that was Ad Astra, movie. yeah, Ad Astra means to the stars. And so, like, there's a whole, like, Latin phrase where it's like, when you need, it's a, like, there's not a religious undertone in the movie, but the word ad astra means like when you don't have hope, you look to the stars. Yeah. That's what religion is. People pray, you know, people meditate. People... Tommy Lee Jones, even his short stints in the movie, he lets you know just by his acting, his not disdain with humanity, but kind of like we have he's to look so, further. He's We're done. So, he's so like not on everyone else's level. He's, he's like, like he's, we're done with humanity. Like, he's like way to too be far on. out. Because when I, for anyone who's seen Apocalypse Now, Marlon Brando's character in a, uh, Apocalypse Now is what reminded me of Tommy Lee Jones and Ad Astra because he's so far out where he they think he's insane. Like he's crazy because he, you know, um, Tommy Lee Jones' character, his dad, killed everybody on the crew because he's wants to find something but really what the beauty of the movie is that what brad pitt was looking for is was with him the whole time like instead of that's like it's almost like the title is ironic because he didn't have to look to the stars it's all what he needed is what he already had the whole time he just had to work on himself or maybe it's the experiences he had to have and the confrontations he had to have with his dad mm-hmm. is what made him realize, like, I'm not, I don't need to look for it. I, it's already here with me. Like, his, that's why at the end of the movie, he ends up with this girl again because he realizes the important things and the necessities. And that's why, that's literally what he has to say to come aboard is that his only focus is the essential. He says that at the beginning of the movie, and you think he's you think he's talking about the mission. Mm-hmm. He's only focused on the essential. And when while he's saying that in the beginning of the movie, that's the part, the shot where he's only it's only focused on him and not his his girl. But then at the end of the movie, he's saying the same exact words, but the full focus is on his mm-hmm. girl. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like like a full circle, like a. It was a very like you said a character study. I guess that means like some type of. I don't want to say that wasn't a hero's journey. Eh. A self-hero. It was a hero's journey in a sense. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a self-hero. Like he saved himself mm-hmm. by going through. Because the beauty of it is like you get to the end and you kind of hope there is something mm-hmm. for all of them. You hope that he finds his father and you kind of hope that his father found whatever he was looking for out there. Mm-hmm. And you, But once... Both of those things essentially like will happen, but don't happen because he finds his dad. But it's like I'm supposed to bring you. Yeah, back. His, his dad was like, I never cared about you. I never cared about your mom. All I cared about was doing completing this mission. Yeah. I never wanted anything to do with anything else. That's the future. But that's a whole. That's a little conspiracy <laughs> theory. But anyway, that. So where do you? 
when you talk, when I think about Ad Astra, uh, the next movie I think of like instantaneously that kind of got me like that was Interstellar mm -hmm. with uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. One thing I want to point out before we move on, I don't want to say move on, but I want to just say this real quick. On the scene when Brad Pitt fights the crew member to get on the ship, mm -hmm. one thing I loved about the score was that the whole score is very like, 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 like atmospheric, you know? Yes. And like very, like it puts you in a whole nother world. But when Brad Pitt uh, fights the guy to get on the ship, the score has drums in it, like mm -hmm. African warrior type drums. Mm -hmm. And I th and that's like reminds you of like, this is still man on man shit. Even though it's the future, like. This isn't aliens. We are trying to. Mm -hmm. still, this and is it's still, the same even thing. Even the moon. The even monkeys. The moon attack. Yeah, even the monkeys, the pirates, they call them pirates. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, and uh, fuck, so much, so much connects to that scene of the monkeys because they're fighting, once again, fighting over resources. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's all, not only personally, but when you think about it in a political, like in the state we're in as a, as a, as a planet yeah. of like, you can, but you can also connect it personally of like you're becoming what you want to, what you're running away from, which is that's what the moon was. You, the, the opening scene on the moon is that has a fucking Applebee's in there. Mm -hmm. It has a, you know what I mean? It lets you know that if the world, no matter it, let, you know what that told me. That entire movie is what I tell. Because I didn't like viewing. Sorry, I didn't. No, I don't. No. I don't like viewing it as like that political part. But it is there. It's not political. My my old boss told me he he does not like humans. He's like I don't watch movies where robots die because it makes him cry. Mm -hmm. And I said that's the weirdest thing. He said it's because a robot didn't ask for that. He was like humans consistently ask to die. We mm -hmm. continuously put ourselves into yeah places. So I said, so you, he basically said conspiracies aren't real because you have to know human nature. The mm -hmm. reason why greed exists is because it's in our nature to be greedy. Yeah. It's those of us who work against our nature to not be greedy. Or you get to a point where you can be greedy and say, you know what? Now I'm going to give away like half my money or something yeah. like that. You know what I'm saying? So he's, that part of the movie let me know. I said, Human, the entire movie lets you know humankind will never change. Yeah. They were shooting at each other in space. We have literally been able to get to the point where we have an Applebee's on the moon. <laughs> yeah. And, and now we're, we're still fighting shooting over resources? That, that, the resources right there is at your fucking Applebee's. Mm -hmm. But we're shooting at each other, trying to blow each other off into space. Like, mm -hmm. get the, it, it, it was beautiful to let me know that I'm right about humans. Like, mm -hmm. you want to have so much hope for them. And he was working his ass off, and he's doing all this stuff. That's what I was just about to say. Brad Pitt's intentions are so pure and, like, optimistic. Even his dad. You're trying to help mankind. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to push the boundaries. And then I get on the moon, and there's an Applebee's, and there's people who figured out how to steal a rover, and you're going to come and be a pirate. Yeah. Like, that's what we're using that for. That's what we went to. Yeah, that's what that's where for. we're at now. Like that's what we went to the moon for is sort of to have an Applebee's, and then not even to have an Applebee's, we're going to shoot each other over resources. Mm -hmm. Why the fuck? It, it's just so. And I hate. I love like that. 
maybe my B movie thing is like sci-fi kind of gets you at the science part of humanity of like mm-hmm. Interstellar and your relationship with his daughter. Or I I don't know if you've ever seen like the Cloverfield like trilogy. Not like, the trilogy. No. People don't. I thought it was going to be super stupid. The one that uh, ten Cloverfield Lane looks amazing. good. Amazing. It looks good. I haven't seen it. And you and it's so good. It's one of those movies you had no idea that it was an alien movie. I had no idea it was an alien. Because I was like, because remember, that was the second one. Mm-hmm. So I was like, does this even have anything to... I was watching and I said, what the fuck does this have to do with Cloverfield? Mm-hmm. Like, And then you're like, oh, shit. So then you watch the third one. Mm-hmm. And that one is, again, is another movie where there... It's, it's kind of like Ad Astra where they're in space and there's like on... On Earth, the reason why they're in space is because they have to test this energy source mm-hmm. off-world because it's so powerful that it could literally tear a hole yeah. in a dimension. So they're like, you can't test this on Earth. You have to, like, go, go somewhere else. You literally, yeah. like, they're so far away, the Earth is, like, a picture to them. Mm-hmm. So they're testing this thing out, and they're, like, so they're watching the news, and Germany and England are about to go to war over gas. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, 2042 or something like that. <laughs> And you're like, why the fuck are you fighting? That's what I was thinking. And I know, yeah. but that was the point of the movie, I think. Like, what do you call, like, another plot device? Like, this underlying, like, yeah. device. Yeah, like, like undertones like, and shit. It's, like, basically, like, this search for energy. Mm-hmm. Like, the re- like, like Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. It's the same shit. Like, the, the excessiveness of, like, resources of, like, the shit we're doing and we keep on doing it. Is ruining the world. Book of Eli. What did she said? What was it like before the bombs? And he said we had too much. <laughs> that was like the hardest bar of that movie. It was like we had too much. That's all he said. Like we had too much, mm-hmm. and that's why we are where we are now. Because every something, because that is indicative of what we see now with technology, and they talk about the wealth gap and. You got books like 1984, like all of that stuff kind of like plays into mm-hmm. like that science fiction dystopian, like mm-hmm. how come all of those science fiction movies have a dystopian aspect to them? Yeah. Where humanity is still at It's never, growth. it's rarely utopian. Re- and when it is utopian, who, what happens? It's so unbelievable. It's, it's so like, it's either, it's utopian. It. It's like almost utopian to like. Co- like communism to the extreme, like we're you're utopian because we took away your free will. Mm-hmm. That's almost the bar of like every other sci-fi movie, like the Empire and Star Wars. Like mm-hmm. you can't have free will. Loki says it. He's like, you know what your problem is? You have too much freedom. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn! Like every time you hear somebody say that, Thanos said, like they keep pinting at like your freedom is what's causing your destruction. Mm-hmm. Every movie has made that point. It's like, um, humanities, whatever you want to believe, that's why... And that can connect with these, um, like, just, like, with just social media and people being offended and people being this, people being that, where it's, like, people are free to do whatever the fuck they want. Right. And so, like, because what I was just thinking the other day, I want to go back to Ad Astra. I want to keep talking about it. Please, please, please. But I want to say, like, about these people talking about like people being offensive online, people being bullied in real life or not bullied, but like just people saying fucked up shit or like just saying 
one bad thing and being caught up about it kind of thing. It's like 20 years ago, people were saying like that uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But now it's like you can't you can't accidentally say something. You know what I mean? Like the whole I think cyberbullying is dumb because just delete that or close your phone or block the person or you know what I mean? You're 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 putting your energy into this negative source, you know what I mean? And it's just like you can't you're it's almost like you're putting yourself in that especially when it's online. You know what I mean? You're putting yourself in this position like on purpose you know what i mean it's like you subconsciously want to be that victim i've always thought that i'm glad you said that like subconscious it's not subconsciously it's almost like this people is why they call them snowflakes it's just like you're almost like i don't think anybody should go on the internet with the sole intention of being mean but there are people who are in the world who sole intention in life is to be mean Mm-hmm. Whether that's on the internet or in real life, like, what the hell are we talking about? Mm-hmm. So what I consider it is that these people who are basically like, people are mean to me all day. And they're not really mean to you. You're just dealing with real life all day and nobody, like, coddled you. So now you're like, when I come on the internet, I want this to be a safe space for me. I should be able to say whatever I want and do whatever I want. Okay, that's fine. But this is still, like... This is just virtual reality. It's still reality. It's just virtual. Yeah. People are going to talk shit about you there, too. Like, only reason why Facebook and Twitter and all those people have those guidelines is because of the reason why you said where people are going to say, I'd just rather delete the app. Facebook is like, no, 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 no. We'll make rules. Please Mm -hmm. don't delete the app. That's the only reason why they make. They don't give a fuck about your feelings. <laughs> they just don't want people to say, you know what? I'm going to just not be on Facebook. Like I did. Because I was getting tired of the shit. I'm like, this shit is just. Dude, when I made exhausting. an Instagram, which was, I was in like sixth grade. That's exhausting. When I made an Instagram, I was like, okay, no more Facebook. Because I was just like one at a time. Like, why would I do a lot? You know what I mean? Literally had Instagram and I was like, yeah, I don't need Facebook anymore. I thought Instagram was dope. Because there was nothing to it. There was no... It was, it was just, just a picture. picture. Yeah, and that's and it. it. You couldn't even comment. Remember, it was just like, click, click. And you could just... And that's it. I thought that was... I, I remember, like, my first posts, like, when I was in, like, middle school, 6th, 7th, 8th grade. I remember what I would put. Like, I remember... I'll have a memory of, like, oh, shit, I posted that. Like, I remember I was in, like, 7th or 8th grade, and I would post... Just a bunch of random different shit that... Like you still do? Like, no, like on my feed. Like, because there was no stories, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I would just like a whole bunch... And I would keep it up there. It's not like I would delete it like a day later. But it was just like my whole thing was just random shit. No pictures of me. But, and then I think around sophomore or junior year, it's, when I got an iPhone, it's that's when it became like more like okay i need to make it like me kind of like more personal even though it's still not me at all i mean it is but it's not like it used to be but like i now i see like today i'll see profiles where it's like shit i used to post when i was in like sixth seventh eighth grade i was like so i could have kept this shit mm-hmm. all on my instagram it would have been fucking cool but i remember people like always telling me like how come you don't post this shit you post random shit how come you post this you post like the weirdest shit i remember hearing that shit all the time and i'd be like oh because it's cool that would be my fucking my explanation but i ended up deleting it like my junior year or whatever or sophomore year but 
I look at pages. So there's pages out there that have like 50,000 followers or whatever, and they're posting like the same type of shit I used to post, where it's just a cool picture or it's just like an iconic picture or you know what I mean? Or like an old picture or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was like a, or a video or a music video or just something cool. And, and then I was like, damn, I'm like, if I would have just kept it, cause they would have been posts from like 2012, 2013, 2014. But now fucking people are like starting accounts where they're posting the same shit. You know what I mean? But anyways, I want to go back to Ad Astra. I don't even know how we got there. To, yeah, to, oh, cyberbullying and shit. Yeah, yeah, just humanity and those movies and their ability to kind of give us a peer into the future. So how do you feel about those, like, I guess, that aspect of it? Like, how do you feel? So, like, let me say this. When I watch a movie, <laughs> I'm not always watching for the cinematography. I'm looking yeah. for, like, the not the spiritual lesson, but the... What are you trying to basically? What like a story writer is trying? Like, what is the story writer trying to tell me? Like, so I don't think every story writer is just like, oh, I'm just writing a movie. I think they're actually trying to like teach you something sometimes. Sometimes there's like lessons that you learn that the writer wasn't even fucking trying to like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it depends on the person who's watching it. You know what I mean? Like. One who has trauma, like with Ad Astra, if you have past trauma that you don't necessarily deal with and you kind of like not blow it off and ignore it, but you kind of just like let it happen. Like when I say I wish I had a dad. Yeah. Like that's I said that when I watched the movie. I'd be like, I wish I had a dad. That's all I said when I was watching it. I, I was thinking, I was like, anyone, anyone who like whether it doesn't matter to what, you know, level... But anyone who's had a problem or, like, a fight or an argument with their dad or just a bad relationship with their dad, whether it's for a month or years, Mm -hmm. if you've had, like, just a negative relationship with your dad, you can see the the meanings in that movie. And I never, like, looked into the person who wrote it. And I never looked in, like, any further than just watching it. You know what I mean? Mm Because usually I'll do research on who wrote it. And, like, their kind of life is to see if it's, like, an autobiography. You know what I mean? Now, question. How do those movies get made? If all of that shit is basically green screen, it has to be, right? Or, like, CGI. This Ad Astra costs $90 million. Movies are fucking expensive, dude. Movies are ridiculous. That movie was worth $90 million, though. Brad Pitt? Yeah, he was a executive producer. Oh, yeah, he has his uh, Plan B uh, studio. He owns it, or he's co-owner of it. I like uh, him more than Angelina. I'm team Brad. I'm team Brad all the way. I'm team Brad. I love Angelina Jolie, but I'm team Brad. I'm team Brad all day. He's giving me way more entertainment than she gave. Yeah, way better movies. What's she giving me? Wanted? Mr. and Mrs. Smith? And guess who that has? Brad Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Mr. And, Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Smith is crazy. Hilar- when he's kicking her, when they are fighting in the thing, he's just like, like stomping her out. He's like, huh, huh. <laughs> but with uh, Ad Astra, there, another thing I noticed was when he's uh, going through the ship on his way to Neptune, or uh, when he's leaving the moon, uh, he's seeing uh, the 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 
tanks full of like the bugs and like the different animals and mm-hmm. shit. And it's I got the sense I got was that NASA is just using him just like the animals. Like they're they don't really give a fuck about him. They know that's his dad, they know the whole story, but they don't give a fuck. They're We're sending you because it's your dad and we think we can get your smart ass dad back. Mm-hmm. Because we need him to stop whatever he's doing because he's fucking up the planet. Yeah, he was sending a fucking energy. Yeah, he was sending cosmic shockwaves. All the way to Earth and it was fucking everything up. And that's what was the cause it, of isn't, the... Isn't that what... Because they were getting blackouts on the entire planet, weren't they? Yeah. Like, they were like, if it keeps going, it's going to knock that's out what, the grid for good. Yeah, that's what caused the accident uh, in the beginning. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so... So he was like, if they knock out the grid, you're talking about going back to the Stone Ages, like, no electricity ever again. And there was a line in the movie where Brad Pitt says, the son suffers the sins of the father. And I felt like, especially with that, with him and like his whole journey, it was towards the end of the movie when he said it. So it's just like him living with how his dad is as a person and like him like having to live with that like even though he might i hate to get dark but he might die one day or like he might not have that connection anymore you know what i mean mm-hmm. but he's still like you can't just because he's gone doesn't mean those um interactions are gone those memories are gone those feelings are gone like that's what i think of when he says those sin- the sins of the father like he still has to live with that. So I think that's like it's such a personal movie and such a intimate movie. And like what another thing I thought was really dope was when he was on the when he was at the station to leave the moon um the girl there what well, I felt like she was like a spirit guide in a way. Like she was like I I called her I forgot her name, but I just remember her as the, I just called her the Moon Child because mm-hmm. I looked at her as like a spirit guide of like this is what you need to do. This is the mentality you need to have because she knew everything. She knew that's why I thought she was a spirit guide because she knew the whole story. She knew how his dad was and she knew how NASA was, and she was like, "This is what you need to think. This is how you need to do it." And everything. And I that just, was the girl who was born in the moon, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I call her the moon child. Yeah. So I was just like, she's such like a, like a, like a angel. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so I was just like, damn, like she's really telling him how shit is. Like, the, like not giving a fuck about his trauma. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's like that blunt truth and like the hard truth. And I thought that was like a super... I thought just the fact that she was born on there was a, a grown woman that was born on the moon mm-hmm. in the movie. I thought that was a really dope detail because it shows how far they are. You know what I mean? Or just how in time, I, like in just that sense of like how f- in far in the future they are. And so the like we were talking about the colors another thing i love this movie there i can go on and on and on which i am yeah. right now but w- what i loved about the going back to the colors is that when i i i, I said before the each planet like the moon 
Mar- they stopped at Mars, and uh, I'm yeah, they stopped at Mars and then Neptune. So there was three different or four different if you include Earth, but each planet had a different vibe, I guess. Mm-hmm. It, it each it had a different mood, and because I said the moon was a very like self reflective, very spiritual the experience. To Earth. Yeah, it was a very like like just very aware moment and then mars was very like melancholic it was very sad and like and you can tell but like in each scene where they land like when they land on the moon when they land on mars and when he's arriving to neptune it's all a different field every single time the people on mars were way more like not sad what is sad like you can tell mm-hmm. Like, they're, like, distant from humanity. Mm-hmm. They had this, like, like a, like a disgruntled worker kind yeah. of vibe. Like, uh, we're and minors. And, like, not angry, but just kind of, like... We're minors. Like we're, we're alone. Yeah. And we're here to do a thing, and there's, like, moon. the moon was still kind of, like, okay, maybe you can go to work and then go to Applebee's after work. <laughs> yeah. Like, when, you, when you're doing something like going to Mars, it's work every day because it's survival mm-hmm. you're surviving you're essentially be doing what humans did back in the day it's like you're surviving like when i go to sleep i have to worry about the oxygen tanks not working yeah i have to worry about some shit just might go wrong all the time and i'm going to die if i don't miss. yeah like that's it's sucks. like that's resting on your conscious all, all the, time. the time and so like why I talk about, I'm going to get to colors, but I want to mention that Neptune was always like a sign of hope for him. Like those were going to be his answers. You know, like, like I said before, at the beginning, like when you don't have the answers and you're looking for something, you look to the stars. But I say that in the movie, you can tell that not only is his dad there, but Neptune was always like this sign of hope for him. And he's like, it's almost like he needed to get there. And so when he gets there, he notices that that's not it. That's not the answer. He got the answer from doing that, but that wasn't the, you know, the, the solution. And so when mentioning colors, when he gets there, the whole, like, color palette is all blue except for where his dad is, and mm-hmm. it's yellow in there. And I, and I said before... Yellow was like his was Brad Pitt's character's like moodiness, his anger almost, his built in like not like a- anger, I say, just kind of like his trauma, you know what I mean? Just shit that may- brings out his true colors. And then by the more and more he talks to his dad, you see those colors invert to where it's mostly yellow and then it turns into a little bit of blue mm-hmm. to where there's no hope for saving mm-hmm. his. I remember a lot of blue at the end. And so, like, you see all blue when he gets there. And then just, yeah, just, like, the more he talks to his dad and you see how far down the rabbit hole his dad has gone, you see how little blue is in the picture. Hey, he, I don't even, his dad didn't know that was him, didn't he? He was like... No, he did. Oh. But he didn't care. No, he didn't. He, yeah, he said, I never cared about you. He was like, oh, you're here. Like, what's up, man? Like, what do you want? Yeah, he was like, I never cared about you. I never cared about your mom. I just... I didn't care about anything. Kind of that's thing. closure, though. At least mm-hmm. you know. 
Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he don't love me. It's like, all right, fine. Mm-hmm. I can, and, like, say fuck you. I yeah, and that's why I said, like, that's wasn't his answer. That's symbolic him, like, let me go. Mm-hmm. Literally. Like, like, let me go. That's what happens at the end of the movie is that they're, he's trying to force him back to Earth. But while they're, like, floating in space together, he's holding on to him. That and, scene was crazy, too. And, and then Tommy Lee Jones was just like, just let me go. Just let me go. And then he lets him go, and he fucking drifts all the way. Just and they the, just let him. You see the shot. He just... He just goes all the way out in outer space. And so... And he literally and figuratively let him go. And when he gets back to Earth... Or what was dope is there's a lens flare towards like you see it's like a and you look you can see it as like a sign from earth to where he can't find his ship but you see the like the camera work the lens flare goes to the ship so it's like it helps him find his ship mm-hmm. and i was like that's fucking genius and we talked about that scene remember we talked about like how smart he had to be to understand where his ship was going to be mm-hmm. because you're in the gravity of Neptune, which is like what four times the size of Earth or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. So that ship was going hundreds, thousands of miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Both and of those ships. So he had to like time it because, again, if you miss, there's no fucking turning around. Yeah, you're fucking keep on because his you're uh, gonna keep, yeah, he only had one the uh, jetpack. Yeah, they, they have like some jetpack like thing on their astronaut suit. Yeah. But I thought that was really good, like, camera work, like, using it technically, but using it as, like, a sign, too, in the movie. And when he gets back to Earth, another cool, uh, talking about focus of the camera, um, when he lands on Earth, you see the people coming in to help him, and they're all, like, out of focus or whatever. And then the first time you see another human on Earth that's... In focus is someone's hand reaching out to help him. Mm-hmm. And then you see him reach back and get help. And so, and then you see him reconnect with his lady and, and everything. I just thought it was such a fucking amazing... It's super underrated. It was the ending that you didn't want. What do you mean? It was like, I wanted his dad to come back to oh. Earth. I wanted his dad to find aliens. But none of that happened. Like, and then the ending was still like, "Oh man, that was a good ending." Mm-hmm. Like, that no, was by like, the end, by the middle of the movie, I knew this wasn't like aliens, or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I knew this was going to be a very vulnerable movie. I, I thought the monkey was an alien. I thought that's where they were getting into the alien thing. I was like, "Oh shit, mm-hmm. here we go." Mm-hmm. I thought the I thought he was like possessed by an alien mm-hmm. parasite or some shit like that. No, just a fucking what's that thing called a macabre, a Maccabee, whatever that thing is called. Mm-hmm. It's not a baboon. There's a mandrel. A mandrel? Yes, it was a mandrel. I know that from Jumanji, the next level. <laughs> it was a mandrel, and they're very aggressive creatures. And that thing was eating that astronaut's face. Mm-hmm. That shit was crazy. Crazy, and it turned. It looked. That shot was terrifying. Dude, that shit was scary. I when was, it I'm not looks from lie. around the corner, when it looks like from over the astronaut's body, and I'm like, yo, y'all Negroes is floating. This ain't no <laughs> ground. Like, you can't swing at it, and you can't beat a mandrel anyway. But you, like, if it gets you, it got you. And it was smart. It was on the ship for so long that it knew how to, like, float. 
and knew how to get to. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of this. Vi- there's this video I saw on Instagram, and it was just so like intense and hilarious to me, because you know, have you seen the video where I think the kangaroo was messing around with his dog or some shit, mm-hmm. and then the guy walks up and just to starts- the kangaroo and just squares up and is about to fight it's the kangaroo. The- he punches, he the, punches kangaroo. the kangaroo, and the kangaroo's like and walks away. <laughs> But I, the what went through my mind was like that guy in like a, a like a blink of an eye processed everything of like the stereotype that kangaroos like box, yeah. you know, like there's like cartoons about it, there's everything. He's but now, but now he's like, oh shit, this is real kind of thing. Like, <laughs> they, like they really box, so it's like this fucking dude. Like he was ready to, like he's ready to fight a human. Right. Because but, I promise you, if that kangaroo would have kicked him, he's dead. Like. Instantaneously, so he was like, "Boom!" Like, I gotta, he, he, you could see he was like ready to punch because he punched and then backed up like real it was quick. like it was a UFC fight. Because I was like, "Fucking kangaroo looked like it squared up too." I was like, "Oh shit, they about to box, yo!" They, they really yeah, that to, shit was like, and was, everybody was just like, "That's Australians for you, man!" Like, <laughs> that dude walked up to a kangaroo, said, "I'm going to fight you." Yeah, that shit was crazy. Dude. Side note: I hate to go off topic. Have you ever seen the inside of a kangaroo's pouch? No, it is disgusting really it is not what you think it's not like it's a not flat. just fur no it's not like a flat and then like a skin is it like a ball it's, sack no it's empty like you can see like their organs and shit i think really i'm pretty sure yeah amanda can you look it up please amanda that yeah it's disgusting it, it is not Inviting, and you would think like, "Oh, I want to be inside like, of I want to be inside of it. I could be like a little fucking." You go in there, and I promise you, you would want to take a shower instantaneously. Is it like the inside of his stomach, or what? it looks like the inside? Like, <gasps> excuse me, they don't get it taken off. Yeah, but um, but anywho. So what about the dog? What did that remind you of? What was that? What did that have to do with that Astra? The guy swearing off with the dog, and uh, I mean swearing off with the kangaroo for his dog. Oh, the fucking like fighting against another living, th- another mammal. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I talked about when even when Brad Pitt fought another man. Mm-hmm. That the just the connection with the score of the drums, like that's the first time you hear like a drum. You know what I mean? And I was like, that's so genius to where it's like, I I, I just thought it was genius because of like how down to earth that is, even though they're in outer space on a ship, on a spaceship. And like how shit doesn't change at all. We just talked about, you know, like that shit doesn't, we're still humans kind of thing. And that's why it reminds me of. No matter how many jets you build, rockets. Oh shit. That's the inside of a kangaroo? Isn't that nasty? It's not cute. That's not cute at all, dude. That's like <laughs> gross. <laughs> it is not cute. That's just. But <laughs> talking about how humans don't change, I with the movie you said Interstellar, which I agree with because there are like definitely connections. Yeah. Or similarities, I should say. That was another like Armageddon, Deep Impact. Like Gravity, Interstellar, and Astra all came I never out. Saw, like, yeah, I never seen Gravity. I never saw Gravity. I didn't want to see it. It reminds me of because that poster right there. I was going to talk about it on the Brothers and a Brother episode. I'm glad I didn't, so I can talk about it right now. But that little on the poster in this room, 
the esoteric the, there's a baby in a bubble mm-hmm. kind of thing and that's literally my lock screen it's from 2001 a space odyssey mm-hmm. directed by stanley kubrick and like there's a there's a like in the towards the beginning of the movie 2001 space odyssey if you haven't seen it go watch it's i want to say it's on hbo max mm-hmm. it's one of the best movies ever created it's one of the like if you haven't seen like if you're a film person and you really like film like you love film that's a movie you need to see and like for me i have a very 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 close connection with 2001 i i have such a like high regard yeah like i i praise that movie so much what is it about what what is it it a space odyssey yeah it's like about human i i mean obviously the way i look at movies it's it's very i mean one the movie itself is very ahead of its time like the technology they use and the set uh pieces and Mm -hmm. and everything it's so ahead of like that's why stanley kubrick's a gene like watch 2001 a space odyssey and tell me that Stanley Kubrick is not a genius because that movie is insanely well shot. And, like, if you look, like, on YouTube, you can search, like, behind the scenes of, like, how they did everything. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's 1968. You know what I mean? Like, they don't... They're, you can barely make movies like this. Yeah. But, the like, you watch that movie today, and that movie is looks better and more believable than a lot of the other sci-fi movies today. Like... That it still holds up. It's such a timeless movie. It literally is a timeless movie yeah. in the metaphorical People sense. People still talk about that movie all the time. It's it's one of the best movies ever made. And what I, the first time I seen it, I was like um, 16. I want to 16 or 17. But I believe you should watch that movie every few years. Every like three to five years. Because... Like, you get a different thing. Because I, last time, like I said, last time I watched it, I was like 16 or 17. I knew I liked it, but I never knew why. I was like, there's, like, great visuals, and there's great, like, just, like, shots, basically. But at that time, I didn't know really a lot about the technicality and, like, even just, like, the emotion of cinematography. But I thought it just looked cool. And it was was a very quiet movie, but I watched it... uh, about a month or so ago and it was it's been like five years or some shit and i got a whole different like experience out of it because i remember when i was like way younger probably like 10 or 9 i Mm -hmm. watched it but i got bored i was like this is boring as fuck Mm -hmm. i mean like i'm 10 years old why sounds like one of those movies i was oh yeah i was like 10 years old i'm like i thought it was gonna be a cool space movie or no 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 i'm lying because i saw interstellar and that came out in like 2013 or 2014. And that's the first time I seen because I watched Interstellar. I was like, "What's the best space movie? Space movie of all time?" And I watched 2001: Space Odyssey, and I was like, mm, "It was boring." And then turned it off. Like, I mean, because one, like the beginning of the movie, it's not even in. Sp- you're like, it's on Earth in like BC times, like, or the dawn of man is mm-hmm. literally what it says, like the dawn of man, and it shows, like, monkeys, like, fighting over each other and everything. But the reason why I brought up 2001 A Space Odyssey is that there's a shot in the movie, because we were talking about humans don't change. Yep. And so there's a shot in the movie where the monkey, uh, 
or in the movie, the monkey finds a bone, right, and finds out how to use it as a weapon. And that literally changed the course of humanity, of mankind. And so there's a shot where they, the, a group of, a pack of monkeys have bones and they attack another group with the bones and they're like beating them and they, all the other apes see their guy fucking get the beat and sh- like get the shit beat out of them. And they're like, oh, f-, like all fucking shocked because they've never seen anything like this before. So, but then once they beat the shit out of the, the monkey, you see the monkey put the bone in the air and was like celebrating and there's a close up on the bone and the very next shot it cuts to a spaceship that looks just like the bone that's dope so it's like a uh you see that shit we went from that to this like literally the cause of the monkey using a bone as a weapon now we're on the moon has pushed us to the point where we have to leave earth and I like I was saying like that's crazy that movie has such a it resonates so well and that's why I say you like it's one of those movies you have to watch every like you have to watch it once and then you're like all right now I can't watch it that's kind of reminiscent of like for another five years like a biblical story like the Cain and Abel it really is they say that's the story of like humanity figuring out that we can take each other's lives Mm -hmm. like that's like it's supposed to represent, like, they don't, whether you believe Cain and Abel, that at least represents, like, there was a point in time where we didn't know we could do that to each other. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, somebody was like, oh, shit, like, I can, like, take this thing and, like, poke this person and he won't be in my way anymore. Yeah. Like, that is, that was the that's worst thing that That's an insane discovery. Yeah, like, like, that's one of the worst, so, like, you telling me that story, I want to watch the movie just for that scene. Yeah. Because that is very, like, true. Because like, that from movie. from here to there. Yeah, that movie for me is, like, what I, what I, like, you said, like, what is it about? It is, like, an odyssey, but what I get from it, like, the way I watch movies is very, like, I try to find my, connect my connection to it. Not what mm-hmm. it's about, but, like why i love it's it a, it's art it's supposed to be that way and like what what i why i love it is that what i think it's about is that the universe is within all of us like there's the there was the monolith which is the this big black square this rectangle square that's in the middle that's what the monkeys discover and they start like freaking out and they're like they don't know what this is kind of like they've never seen something so symmetrical you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. and then you see the, uh, it's kind of like a circle of like life in the movie of like, he's almost reborn and it's just like, there's so many like layers to it. Like what I'm probably, what I'm saying right now sounds so basic level, but just like when you watch it, you'll understand, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that's why I say in that, like that baby in the bubble, like comes at the very end of the movie. Like it's like being reborn. Would you say that those movies are usually the most like I would I think using space is probably one of the closest things you can get to religion without people getting all like squirmy about yeah. it. Yeah. Instead of like directly talking about yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's like, very yeah, there's definitely like similarities to a lot of uh religion like uh, like, like biblical these, stories. At least these like uh tenets that maybe some religions hold like exploring within yourself or 
letting go, like Buddhism talks about that, like letting go of certain, but like you don't have to, there's even, I think somebody told me like even in Buddhism, like you don't have to be like friends with your kids. Mm-hmm. Kids are a burden. Like Buddhism says that like children are a burden and it sounds mean, but it's like, no, it's a burden because now you have to like, you have to take away from yourself being a better person for the world mm-hmm. to make this person a better person for mm-hmm. the world. And that's why people say like, that's why I, that's not why, but like, I always make the joke of like, oh, you have kids, that sucks. I'm going to go do literally anything I want. Yeah. And like, that's how, like, what you're saying, that's how it connects. Is There's like, a lot of people who shouldn't have children. You're putting energy into this other being when like you haven't put the full amount of energy into yourself. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. I remember the, what, the breakdown of that for me was when I, we were having Zoe. And my best friend's mom, my second mom, she said, I love my children, but I don't like them. I was like, like, what? She was like, she saw my face. She was like, yeah, who said I have to like them? Like, they're people, and they Mm -hmm. get on my nerves sometimes. So I don't like them sometimes. Mm -hmm. Love them, I would kill for them, I would die for them. But do I want to talk to you? No. I don't have to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's true though. Like now, yeah, you're parent, not wrong. Yeah, it's like, just it's frowned upon. It's, it's like not. It's not gives a shit. Yeah, like, it's not a comment. I can see how that can be yes. like. I mean, I'd fucking react the same way. Yeah, like uh, I'd be like, whoa, dude. All like, right. If your mom told you like I don't like you, that would hurt your feelings. That's why they're like, I don't want to say like I know it, but I'm guessing that's why old people when they hit like seventy or eighty, they don't care about their care about their kids you know they're just like you're a grown-ass man i don't have to like you i don't have to talk to you you know what i mean it's either or it's either like we're best of friends it's either we have a really strong relationship or yeah it depends on the person mm-hmm. some so, people have a very cordial like you're my mom so i respect you mm-hmm. and i and i maybe all of us here can't understand that but I'm just like, well, no, I can now. After getting getting older every day, I'm like, oh, I understand my mom is a person more than she is my mother. Mm-hmm. My mom has become more of a person to me than my mom. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I, I, feel I like that, those like, space movies. I feel that more. Fuck, I'm going I'm to get personal. Yeah. Real quick, I'm just going to say I feel that more with my dad. Yeah. Like when it's just me and my dad and we're like, say, in the car together, or, you know, whatever, I feel that you're not, I mean, he is my dad, but like, you're not my dad right now. You're another... You're trying to speak to me on a human to human. Yeah. Some parents... There's no emotion in it, Not to really. preach here on the yeah. cinema podcast, but I know that there's people who listen to this, and as a parent, and me and Amanda are in here, sometimes it's hard. your parents forget that you're a person, and you forget that your parent is a person. Mm-hmm. Because it's, there's this big label that you literally grew up. It's society. Thinking, yeah. It's society's thing of like you can't be friends with your kids. You and it's kind of there is a level to like Zoe is my friend, but I'm older than you, so you should listen to me. Yeah, you know, like beyond the fact that me and your mother conceived you, like me and Amanda, remember we said that to you, like a baby's like just one of the longest living STDs that exists. Like, <laughs> so everybody thinks like, oh, I plan to, have, very few people plan to have children. Nowadays. You just become, yeah. uh, you just be, you do what's built into you is you take care of the child. Like you mm-hmm. think that it's. Because I, I always think that like, fuck, if I ever accidentally have a kid, that's where it's go time. Where like, I will do anything. That's literally. That's a, that's a, a human. It's built into you. A man does 
That's any that's and literally everything. what I think. Like when I see and people, you're right. when I see people working construction, or I see people joining the military, they're feeding or, their fucking. Family. I'm like, they probably had a kid on accident, and they were like, I need something that's forty hours a week. I need something that's consistent and reliable. I remember when I was eighteen. Yeah, and I had people seventeen, eighteen. And I have some of my friends who had kids. They're like, I just need a job with benefits. And I'm like 18. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about benefits? Yeah, for? that's what I'm saying. I, I said to you guys off the podcast uh, like two weeks ago or some shit. I was like, you're not grown until you're off your parents' insurance. Exactly. Because <laughs> that's when that shit hits you like a sack of bricks. Like you think you're grown until you hit like 23, 24, 25. You are saying no. As somebody who's 20, you're intelligent to know that. Because there's people I'm, who are I'm 20. <laughs> <laughs> you paid attention to your older siblings very well and mm-hmm. said, oh, that's what real life is. Yeah, like, I'm so blessed to have Menda as my Not an older sister and an older brother. I'm blessed to have Menda as my older sister and my brother mm-hmm. as an older, older brother. Mm-hmm. Because it's like... The way their dynamic, not only together, but just like how they operate, it's very like I'm my <laughs> when I was little, my vision was like I need to combine those two. You're doing a very good. I need job. to <laughs> I need to find that middle. We talk ground. about that often. How you are a perfect amalgamation of like Amanda and Chris. You are a perfect mixture of both of them. <laughs> because <laughs> now I'm not trying to like bag on my brother, but you know, he's. he's <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he looked at Amanda, everybody. <laughs> he looked at Amanda. It was a sibling moment. But he's didn't, as a teenager, he didn't make the best decisions. But now he's grown and, you know, knows what he's doing, kind yeah. of thing. But. That's why he all he wanna do is sit around and chill now. I re- did everything. I remember growing up and I'm like I mean it didn't even hit me that he was getting in trouble a lot. <laughs> it was just like all right, like kind of thing. Because there's uh there were one I remember one time he came home and I'm think I'm pretty you know this story of like mm-hmm. he came home drunk. Or no, he woke up and he was still drunk. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad made him stand outside on top of a stool in the sun. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was like seven years old or eight years old. And I was like, does that like, is that like a test? Like, did my dad go to school for this or some <laughs> shit? Like, did he like Google this or something? Like, there's this like a test to see if you, it's like a drug test or right. some shit. But it's really, he just like had a... Yeah. He didn't know what else to do. So he was like, stand outside in Arizona sun mm-hmm. on a stool because that sucks. But especially when he, you're he's still going to be the Chris is going to be the hardest dad out of all of you. He's going to be the hardest parent because mm-hmm. he was the worst. Those are always the ones that are like, mm-hmm. like hard nose the on their stern, children. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I uh, always like when Roman, like when Roman came over, when you guys went to Texas, and uh, the kids were over for, like, all weekend. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I... I was like, where the fuck did we go to Texas? <laughs> that was last month. <laughs> when did we have lives? And I remember I I was taking care... I was with the kids, and I remember being with Roman, and the shit, like, for, like, that three hours of, like, from, like, the end of the day until, like, we had to go to sleep. Like, the way I took care of him, I'm like, I'm going to be a dope dad. I'm going to be <laughs> sick. 
<laughs> Let me let you know, Roman is a very easy child. Yeah, he's super dope. He's super, like, he's here all the time. <laughs> he's he little... can turn his TV on himself. He wakes up in the morning and turns the TV on Yeah, do on. it. I wake, like, when I sleep here, and then, like, when I wake up in the morning, Roman's already there. Yeah. Like, he's just chilling. He'd be on the couch, like... And then he looks, he looks over at me, and then looks back at the TV. <laughs> He was like, oh, what's up, dude? Yeah. And then comes back to That's him. exactly what he does. And then Max is chill at times. He's a wild boy, though. He's a, he, his, today we were at the store, and I was holding his hand, and it was like, literally, it's built into him. Like, every five seconds, he had to, like, try to pull away. You know that move where you try to, like, use your thumb to push out of your parents' hand? <laughs> he did that, like, like every five seconds. He was like, <laughs> It's like he... Cause you had to squeeze it's it. It's like you. F- he found out yeah. about it. Yeah. And he's like, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But he's, he's hilarious though. All yeah. the, all your kids are hilarious. They all have their. I I love their personalities. All of them. And I, I'm, just I'm attention. excited to see them grow up, and see how they are as like teenagers. Yeah, I already know how the the boys are gonna be like just together. Yeah, they're on time with each other. And they're going to be in high school together? They're yes. going to be in middle school together? Yes. That's going to be a fucking riot. I think they're going to just meet each other in middle school. If Max does, if you don't go, if he doesn't go to sixth grade in a middle school, mm-hmm. he'll, they'll just miss each other. They'll be in high school together. In high school? Sure. Dude. That's going to be lit for them. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be like, that's so cool. I never had a brother Dude, in high for school. them, that's going to be lit. Like the Shelton Brothers? Crazy, and their names or, are cool. Or, or yeah, like Max Shelton, Roman Shelton. Yeah, crazy. Those are such dude. cool names. And so imagine like Roman does some, or is like this like fucking awesome kid uh, as a senior, and then he graduates, and then two years later is like, oh, you're Roman's kid, the same teacher. You I, always get that extra like. Did you ever get any of her old teachers at North? No, but my football coach went to school with her. Not That's the head, co- not the head coach, but my position coach. Went to school. You used to date him, didn't you? No. I think I think she said or he said she was cute or some shit. I think he was joking, but like, I'm like, come on, dude. Nah, she she was, still is. But I mean, Amanda back in the day is like, ugh. oh, like high school Amanda. Ugh. All the Amanda was a player. Looking 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 back, I told you, that's why I be calling her. She'd be like, looking back and like the memories I have. You know how, like, when you look back as child, like, into child memories, and you're like, oh, shit, now it makes sense. One of those is Menda being a player. Yeah. Definitely was. There's, I mean, I don't know how, for how long, (laughs) but I know there's moments of, like. Man, after she got her heart broken. And she's like, I'm out here. Fucking city girls. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck a job, bitch, I am a job. And then two years later, I'm married and got a baby on the way. Dang. We both fell for that. Anywho, at Astra, you and your dad, you and your brother, 2001 Space Odd. So, okay, Interstellar, because I kind of want to talk about that. I love that. Interstellar is a, a, cra- a trip. It's way movie. more sci fi than. It's way more entertaining, for the, sure. You know, the scene I remember is just the planet with the humongous, like, 300 foot waves. Mm hmm. <laughs> Crazy, dude. Love that scene. I love that because of Hans Zimmer and how genius he is. I remember the feeling of like, first of all, I hate the ocean. We already know that. Yeah, yeah. And then, but you're talking about a planet. That's just water? And so that means that, and they were like 
they landed and it was like, oh, you're like on a shallow, like it was a shallow planet of water. But the re- the fact that it was shallow made all of the waves like a million times more powerful. Yeah, because they had there's no way to displace downward, so the whole planet is covered. So, so it's just, it's just one big all, wave it's all like the doubles, time, basically. Yeah, it's like whew, they crash into each other and it becomes one wave. So they're like, uh, that because shot where you see the wave and it looks little, and he's like, we need to go, yeah, now, like and you, right and now. You see. Or you hear the score because when before they go on the ship, they're saying that every oh I forgot the every, every ten hour, every hour is ten years or some shit or it's like seven years or yeah. some shit. Every hour is every. So when he missed the window and he was like, "My daughter just turned thirty three years old," and so but the the score they did there was like some kind of math, but uh. Hans Zimmer had a metronome playing at every 1.25 seconds. And so every 1.25 seconds is a year. Just going by like that. And I was like... And it gave you so much And you're like, fuck, you're losing time. You're losing time. You've got to go. So much anxiety. (laughs) Because once he said... What did he say? Like, my daughter's seven. If we don't get off of here, she'll be 23 or something like that. Yeah. Because they were so far out that time changed. Mm-hmm. It was instant because they were going on basically like a moon type planet because yeah. that water planet was just like a moon to another one. Mm-hmm. And so and they were trying to find fucking Matt Damon and then they find him and he, and he fucking, fucking mur- like tries to murk him. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, like, this movie is amazing. Because I watched it and I was like, I forgot Matt Damon was in here. You forget it did because then I forgot. That Matthew McConaughey was in it because the, all of the posters for that movie were Matthew McConaughey. Not Matthew McConaughey, fucking Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Two Matts. <laughs> fucking, but it was Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. So it was like they always showed his face. That's what I remember. So now I was like, I remember watching the movie. He doesn't show up to like halfway through the movie. You're like, where the one, fuck is Matt Damon? One movie i never seen with Matt Damon, The Martian. I haven't seen that. Why haven't I seen that? I know who directed exactly that movie Minda. you're talking about? I know the director. Who directed The Martian? He's a very popular one. I like any movie that deals with the ocean or space. Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, the god. Oh. The god. Who directed Underwater? Was it Ridley Scott? Underwater? Yeah. Water? With Kristen uh, Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Terrible yeah. movie. You wouldn't Terrible like it. Terrible actress. Oh, God. She's just like. <laughs> like she doesn't care. This is the this movie. She underwater. Yeah, that was the movie she had the most emotion in ever. What look up Kristen Stewart movies? There's one she's in where she's unrecognizable, and I remember like, oh fuck, that's Kristen Stewart. Like, oh shit, you can act. Yeah, I remember there was I one movie. I think she can act. Dude. She wasn't a lead. She's... I think she can act. She can't the the role itself. Like I think Twilight ruined her. Because yeah. When she Yeah. Like, you can't give me like, you. We need to do this role. We're gonna do it now. We're not gonna have like time in between because I can't essentially get into character in the set and then leave and then try to get back mm. that same emotion. Okay. Like, you're gonna. It's gonna be a one take. She definitely strikes me as a Shia LaBeouf like type. 
per, like she seems like she's type cool. person. Yeah. Like you seem like in real life, like oh, you probably are like John. Like you could smoke a J with her, and she'd yeah. be like, she'd probably be super cool dope. conversation yeah. to have like talk with. But like even in that Charlie's Angel movie, terrible movie again. Haven't but she acted it. way better. She was like smiling and talking and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, you have a personality. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like she did that. Yeah, like. I forgot. I think I just watched List it. of Kristen Stewart movies. She does a lot of uh, not B list. What are those? It's like, almost indie? the Runaways. Love that movie. Indie. Adventureland. Um, MK Ultra was actually like Jumper, that's my type of movie. Cut list. She was in Jumper. Jumper, you like Jumper? I fucking loved Jumper. Oh my god, dude! Yes, Jumper, dude. dude like, I love Jumper. When I saw Captain fuck? America, I was like, "Oh shit!" Fucking no, that wasn't. That was, that was Anakin. 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 I'm thinking Skywalker. about Push because Push and Jumper came out at the same time, dude. Too. Jumper, I saw that in theaters. By the way, Jumper, when he would just be like, "Boom!" Because like, where's your front door. Why I loved door. it. That's my dream superpower. Yeah, that's my dream superpower. And Sam Jackson, the God. One of the best bad guys. That movie is slept on. Shocking people and shit. The fucking... Or he was like, you're trying to jump a building. You're going to kill us all. He's like, ah! Another good movie that's not like Jumper, but reminiscent of it, uh, Chronicle. Chronicle is great. That's when people say Michael B. Jordan can't act. I'd be like, y'all haven't seen Chronicle. I will admit, I'm not sold on Michael B. Jordan. No, I'm not. He is not... In my time, he's not. I, I'm not. I don't ever. see the range in him. He's good looking, dude. He's sexy. Yeah, like that's what he does. When people, when girls say, "I don't think he's that," you're fucking lying. You're lying. Like, he's charming. Like I remember the conversation you had with Menda. Like, babe, would you leave me for Michael B. Jordan? She was like, "No." And you're like lying. <laughs> <laughs> like I. <laughs> like, I'd be like something's wrong if you're not leaving me cause that means one of them kids ain't mine or something like that <laughs> and you feel bad something no cause Michael B. Jordan is sexy but Creed he did really good I think he did really good in Creed some parts are just made for him the the, the, the I will admit I love Ryan Coogler but I will admit there's some parts in Creed where it's just corny it's very like because I have a soft spot for Rocky I really have like a emotional touch to that because I'm pretty sure I talked about it on the podcast, but I don't I don't remember if I did, but I know Sylvester Stallone wrote Rocky. He was the writer of it, and he the original the the original script for it it was about a struggling actor in Hollywood, and it was about him trying to like make it, you know. Mm-hmm. But the the producers were like, no one wants to watch a movie about a struggling actor. And so he like kind of switched it to more boxing. That's why I love Rocky One. Also, how, how wrong they were about that script, by the way. Everybody mm. loves a movie about a struggling actor. And so, I mean, but it's like nineteen seventy, yeah, something. yeah, yeah, nineteen seventy six. That's so, back when movies were like cookie cutter. Like we yeah. do this formula. And I hate uh, one thing. My pet peeve about old Hollywood. This is why I mean, one thing. <laughs> one thing I hate about old Hollywood is that they took one great movie. And they were like, 
let's go all out with what people loved about it. So they made Rocky 2, 3, 4, 5, and then Rocky Balboa. And then, but shout out to Ryan Coogler for making Creed because that was a great movie. A great movie, dude. I want to show them that I'm not a mistake. I was like, <gasps> and then Creed 2 was. The daughter, when she did the. <sighs> Creed 2 was. When she did the test, bruh, tears. I'm I'm ready for another Ryan Coogler movie that's not like Black Panther, you know what I mean? That or an original film, mm-hmm. basically. Like Fruitvale Station. Great. That's another Michael B. Jordan. That's on Netflix, by the way, for the people who want to watch it. That's a great movie. But it also based on a true story. Yep. You know what I mean? Don't watch them. Which I forgot. Or not forgot. I didn't know that was based on a true story when I watched it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then I found and, and we're back. Do you remember that SNL skit? With Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> and we're black. <laughs> but, um, okay, Fruitvale Station, you said it was the catalyst. Oh, to the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh. Or at least the beginning of, I think that was the first time it was either recorded. Did somebody, it was the movie about people recording with their cell phones, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, the people recording it, and that's when the dude planted the drugs on him mm-hmm. because he shot him, and he knew it was unlawful. So that was like essentially they, that was their first that was their equation to uh, Rodney King, mm. and it was like that was the first time where it was like we can hold you accountable now. Now mm-hmm. what's sad is that it took us what thirteen years to see yeah. finally a cop because of video. Yeah, finally a cop get Ridiculous. convicted. Yeah, finally, but Oscar Brown was the beginning of like. People were like, why do y'all just take y'all phones out? Like, so that you was... shot me, man. Yeah. Dude. I got a daughter. When he said I got a daughter, I was like, that scene, every time something happens with police and anything like that scene, I put my head on let his me, face. Let me say something real quick about Get Out. Uh, the end of Get Out, when he's on t- when he uh, knocks out the white lady. Mm-hmm. And you see the cop, the siren lights. Scariest part of the movie. That is the scariest part of the movie. And that's why Jordan Peele is a genius. Because that because he had that the original ending of it was the cops mm-hmm. and he got caught and went mm-hmm. to prison. But he did. But he the atmosphere of the world was not okay. Mm-hmm. And so he changed it to where it was his, obviously it's his friend. And everybody loved that ending. And so, but he's like, I kept it in there to where those 15 seconds, your heart or your stomach drops. Cause you're like, fuck. Cause that's his sign of like, you know that if that's the cops, he's going to jail. Yeah. He knew that the entire time he was doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, like when if I you kill th- these white people, I'm going to jail. When you hear the siren and you see the lights flashing on him, you're like, oh fuck. He's the scariest fucked. parts of those movies were the part where you realize he was black. Mm-hmm. Those were the scariest parts of the movie. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, sh-. that's why he's a genius. Like people who watch that movie and didn't get like nervous, they're white. That, that, yeah, <laughs> that you're the reason why people be like, I don't feel like like I'm not because explaining. To am you. I the only? Mm-hmm. And, and that's their hand. And the only people I know who said yes to that 
were the podcasts I listened to. And I, I, I submitted a question. And mm. I was like, what would be the first thing you do if you were black? And they said comedy. Because <laughs> they, <laughs> they were like, dude, I tell you what, man, that N-word just really just hits. They're like. Is when you find out that he's black. Or not when you find out, but when you realize that he's black. Like, it's a reminder that he's black. Yes. Which is. You get lost in that in the movie, mm-hmm. that he's black. You and forget. it's like one thing about, like, you know, black cinema is we've talked about it is like movies you can't consider them black cinema i mean you can but like you can't put it at the forefront of black cinema when it reminds you that you're black yes or when it brings up trauma or history of black people because when you have uh, like the only movie i can think of is black panther Mm -hmm. where it's all around there's no hints at anything it's pure just black people in this world kind of thing even in their own world you know fucking wakanda and you see how great it is and advanced mm-hmm. it is which is a connection no drug dealers there were no there's no like some person who's trying to like even the criminal is a mit grad mm-hmm. who was like top marksman who's very fucking forces. smart yeah, yeah. He was special like he was he was just an antagonist yeah. yeah that's it he was super intelligent and he fucking killed it and, and he, his goal, it was like, what I got from that was like, so that means from like seven years old, you thought about one mm-hmm. thing. And that was his only goal. No girlfriends, no nothing. When you were in school, all you could think about was the fact that your dad got killed by somebody from this place from that he Wakanda, told you a story yeah. about. Because he didn't know, he never seen Wakanda. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I'm here now. This mm-hmm. is my land. And y'all going to do what I say. Mm -hmm. Because what I also liked, again, the veteran thing, is when he said, we're going to do what they do to everyone else. Mm -hmm. Like, when we can't go to war, he's like, why not? That's what they do. Mm -hmm. That's how they win. And that's when they're like, but we're not them kind of thing. Like, like, it's like we should be. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and it was that, that was that tug of war of like, Maybe it was a it was a lot of black people it, who were like, yeah, y'all should go out there and hey, start like, blowing them up. Yeah, like go fuck them up. Yeah, like, go blow like them you up. have the technology. Yes, you could you could wipe out. I even thought that was like they could wipe out. They the could entire, rule the whole world. They could wipe all out of Earth. The, the United States Air Force in a heartbeat. So it's like, yeah, like those going back to like black cinema, you know, talking about Queen and Slim, of like, you can't. That's a great film, but it's like you can't say that's the you know, at the top of the pedestal of like black cinema. Cause it's like these, this couple that get, end up getting shot by the police at the end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's about them getting framed by their own people kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, like I get it. Dude at the end counting the money. I hated that shot. And it's like, fuck, like, yeah, like it gives you that emotion of like, fuck man. But it's like, how many times are we going to get that? In black cinema, like, why can't we watch a movie like Us or, like, Black Panther? You know what I mean? And it's like, like, don't try to, like, we fucking know. Like, we get it. Like, people are like, oh, well, people are unaware of the, are they really unaware? They just don't care. That's what a lot of my friends are starting to say. They're like, a lot of my black friends are like, "We're, we're sick of seeing that shit, like. They don't fucking, it's that thing. Like, if you don't know by now, you don't want to know. And I'm not going to explain it to Mm -hmm. you. And it's like, how many fucking movies do we need 
where it's someone trying to do or does something good and uh, is victorious in the movie, but it's politically driven or socially driven. And it, why can't it just be, you know what I mean? Like, that shit just bothers me, when, especially when there's any people of color where their main drive is for their people or mm-hmm. their race or trying to change. A, and it's like, just make an original movie and put your favorite actor or if you're, you know? Mm-hmm. That's why like, that's why I like Issa Rae. I think she's trying, I think Issa Rae does a great job of not doing trauma-based. People love, I've never seen Insecure. But mm-hmm. when I can tell, it's like any other HBO show, it's just be a lot of banging and shit. <laughs> but it just be like, it's like none of that stuff is like trauma. They're doing like normal mid 20 year old shit a lot of yeah. sleeping around a lot of like trying to figure out who i am as like, a person like moonlight is one of the, also one of the best movies ever created it's such a masterpiece of a movie and yeah it is about a guy growing up in the hood and dealing with his sexuality mm-hmm. but there's no like strong hints of like oh fuck he's in the hood that's how it is yeah. kind of thing it's there's no because not everybody in the hood is like unhappy mm-hmm. some people are perfectly like yeah i'm good man like i got a job i got mm-hmm. my fit my children are fit like not everybody hates the hood quote yeah quote and it's like but with moonlight they don't focus on that at all mm-hmm. the hood part or which the, is good and it's like that's like it's an original story which is that's why i love when like uh, Barry Jenkins, when he does that in his films, where there's, it's just no like, oh, they're black. Remember that they're black. This is black excellence. This is black cinema. There's no like forced agenda. All we're watching, like when you watch movies like that, those Hollywood movies where it's like under the category of black cinema. You know, on HBO Max when they have like Black Lives, Black Voices Matter, mm. and it's like, and it's a like strong black lead. Strong. And it's like, get the fuck. I don't give a fuck. I'm watching art right now. I'm You're not trying to. You're making me such a. Tar- I don't like it because I feel like a target every time you do that. I feel like everybody now, everybody's going to think they fucking know. It's me like, are you, you use, watch are you, Like, you're movies. using that as a fucking selling point. Yeah. And you're, it's like. All I mean, the man like, they are smart, though, because you're getting a. That, but they got all they got there's the white Jamie moms out there. Show. There's white moms out there, like, oh, yeah, I'll fucking put this on, staying at home, quarantine, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like. But when. When there's new movies that like aren't aware of like how fucked up that is, and they're just making all black strong lead films, and it's like all we're watching is agenda. You know what I mean? You're not respecting this dude's craft or his the fact that he can actually Mm -hmm. act. You're like he's black. They know he's a good actor. Like there's the like the movie. Malcolm and Marie. There's a fucking... It's a... A lot of people didn't like it. I don't really like it. Because I The reason... What I don't like about it is the storyline of it. The consistency of it. It's it's too consistent because it's literally the same thing for like... Stretched out for like one long night. Mm-hmm. But if you're a, you know, a film... If you're a cinephile... Especially cinematography. You... I love that movie looking at it in that lens but like it's definitely a good rewatch of like seeing how artistic that film is and it's very like film schoolish it looks like a film school movie mm-hmm. but anyways like t- there's a line 
in in Malcolm and Marie where Zendaya says, uh, you took all the precious parts and the beautiful parts of my trauma and I have to live with the shitty parts. And that's literally what Hollywood is right now is Mm -hmm. they're taking these black stories, either it's based on a true story or it's like Queen and Slim, Mm -hmm. where it's like you're taking all these bad parts and these traumatizing parts and these like terrible like and making it beautiful and you made it you know great and you made it iconic and legendary but these black people are living with this shit Mm -hmm. they have to deal with all of it not this grand scheme elegant piece of art they're fucking living in the hood you know what i mean so the only part i liked about queen and slim is that they died because that was the only truthful part Mm -hmm. especially the part where the cop shot they were like nobody shoot and she was just like bang and then everybody started shooting Mm-hmm. Because she, I was like, that part of the movie I loved because I'm like, it's I thought they were gonna get away with it. It was always some. I I it. hope they did. That was the most truthful part. It was like, no. Yeah, and of course it's gonna sound crazy because I'm black, but I'm like, when black people do stuff, the it's like, no, we're going to catch this nigga. Like, we're, <laughs> yeah. it, like it does. Like, did you see the amount of resources they went through for these people? Mm-hmm. Like, cause they, I get it. They shot a cop. Mm-hmm. But you saw the video. Yeah. You saw the video, so it was just like that lady who shot the gun, that was the that was the part of policing where it's like you're judge, jury, and executioner. Mm-hmm. Somebody literally ordered you not to shoot and and they zoomed in on the gun and it was just like bang. Because she fucking you're overzealous. You're a piece of shit, and that's what every cop is. Yeah. Not yeah, I'm yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. You're overzealous. You got your first thing you want to do is shoot because, somebody. Because cops are are trained to be like, oh, if you or like like the like when they're going through training for a cop, they're saying, Oh, when you don't shoot the amount of cops that are killed by people. Yeah. And so that's all they're like showing them is like if you don't shoot them, you're going to get killed. Either you or your partner. And you don't want you and I and it's shit like that's I what they're being taught. That. That's what they're being taught. I tell people fucking... that I was like, most people aren't trying to. That's why I told my homie who was a cop, and we were having a debate about everything that was going on. And I told him, and I not to get. I hate to go political. Yeah, but I was just let's like, wrap, let's try to get past this yeah. real quick, but keep going. Yeah, but I was just like, hey, dude, that's not like. I do. I'm not saying disarm the police because in the some in a country that has where people can have guns, you would need, the cops should yeah. need guns too. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But what I don't like is uh, damn, I lost my fucking point. You high? No, it's not that. It's because it's the part where I said in the in the country where they have guns, you should have guns too. And I got really caught up on that part. Why? Because it's fair. Mm-hmm. But oh yeah, just because I have a gun doesn't mean I'm trying to shoot a cop. Mm-hmm. It's like those two things. Just because that criminal, it's like a stigma. Yeah, just because that criminal has a gun doesn't mean he's going to shoot you. Mm-hmm. You say he's going to shoot you. Most people aren't. Most of the time, those guns are for other bad people, mm-hmm. not for the cops. If I get caught, most people are just like I got caught. They may shoot at you because they were like, I'd rather die than go to jail. But I think that's maybe 10% of criminals. Mm-hmm. Most criminals don't want to kill there's, somebody. Because there's literally people out there in the world who are like, I don't know if I should call the cops. You know what I mean? You know how sad that is? Like, there's, like there was that, uh, 
I don't know what it was. The one that here happened in Mesa? Yeah, where was the, there was the, the black dude, couple when the guy pulled out a gun. He was trying to shoot them because he hated black people. And then he, like, held, like, blocked them down, but, like, held them down. And the lady called the cops. And then when the cops got there, she stopped at the front door and was like, don't shoot my husband. Like Nobody cared about that. Nobody <laughs> thought that was sad. Mm-hmm. Nobody, Nobody thought that was sad. And like her, just the fact, even when she was saying in the post, in like after post game, I was gonna say in the post, like after it happened in the interview, she was like, I was hesitating on even calling. He the cops. said he was hesitating. Mm-hmm. He was like, I didn't know whether she should call the cops. Mm-hmm. He was like, because I think essentially he was probably thinking to himself, like, I could probably take this come from this dude. Like he was. He was a younger black guy, and that guy was some frail old sixty-five-year-old. Yeah. Like, I think he could have easily been like, "Man, give me that fucking gun mm-hmm. and beat the I shit out of him." I just think he didn't want to escalate. He it. was like, "No, call the cops." Because what I thought was going to happen in the video is that they're going to say we thought he had the gun in his hand, yeah. so we shot him too. Mm-hmm. And, and then everybody would have been like, "Yeah, man, that's fair." Like that's that's yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's mm-hmm. that's. That's fine. And I, that's what I don't like about cops. When everybody's like, their life is in danger. Don't fucking sign up then. Yeah. It's literally that simple. Their mm-hmm. lives are in danger. Those motherfuckers... It's like, can, you have a bulletproof vest on and you have a gun and a taser and fucking pepper spray. Like, you know how protected they are? They I was in Afghanistan cars. and I didn't walk around with a bulletproof vest on. Bulletproof cars with bulletproof windows and they have tools in their trunk, like... Do you know how much fucking protection and you're, they oh, have? Oh, they, they need to come home safely every night. How many? How much of the country has guns? How many drug dealers? It's ridiculous. You're, anyway. Let's move the, If you don't, let me say this. If you're scared for your life, don't fucking sign up. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be, because you're a bitch if you shoot somebody because you were scared. Period. All right, so Interstellar. <laughs> Interstellar. Not Interstellar, Ad Astra, 2001 Space Odyssey. I guess what I'm trying to get at before I go watch 2001 Space Odyssey and watch uh, Interstellar again. Mm-hmm. I probably want to watch all of them. I love any space movie. Huge. We're going in the other direction of genres. Event Horizon, have you ever seen that? I've heard that name before. With Lawrence Fishburne and the guy from uh, Jurassic Park. I think no. we should watch that tonight. I haven't it's seen a that. horror movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I've seen, like, Passing Through. I think I've seen it. Great, great cinematography also. Terrifying. You know, speaking of Lawrence Fishburne, Deep Cover with Lawrence Fishburne? Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, such a 90s crime New York yes. City movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's it's so good. I think those, like, King of New York with Lawrence Fishburne as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Like, those, he would be slipping on Larry. That's what they used to call him back in the day, Larry Fishburne. Those New York City crime movies are so like, like distinctive of like, ugh, like it gives you that feeling like this is so corny, but like this was so cool back in the day. And back in the day, it was kind of reminiscent of like how it was back then. Like, just like, like the fucking music and shit. Like, I love Lethal Weapon, though. Oh, yeah. The. They're just switching the middle of the movie. I'm writing a. I guess I'll say it on here, but I'm writing like a script right now. And Deep Cover is a pretty big 
inspiration on it. It's about, you know, drugs and mm-hmm. it's a movie, I'll say, uh, all on, I told you about it, all on 19th Avenue. I yeah. want to make a 19th Avenue movie. When Deep Cover is a pretty big uh, inspiration on it. So that's what I just want to mention that. But the color grading and everything and cinematography as well. It's so weird seeing movies like that where it's great cinematography and great uh, color grading when it's digital. But especially when it's a digital movie in the 90s. So it's mm-hmm. just like terrible quality. But you know they're trying. And you know they're like trying to... I love those digital movies from the 80s, like late 80s, early 90s. Because that was like the beginning of the technology. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this. It looks cool to me. I don't know why. <laughs> there's, there's such a look to it. It's a look. And that's what I even liked about like Event Horizon. Yeah. I even liked that about... Uh, who did that? I know it's weird to say, but like all of the new Star Wars movies. Yeah. They shot the them. Yeah, they shot them kind of like they shot them in the 80s. It still has that like... Like, what's that? Like, that filter over it? Kind of like, it still looks like they made it in the 80s. Because yeah. it's still all of the same gadgets. Like, all the stuff is still like. Yeah, it's like this, they're trying to stick to, like, the time. And I like when people do that. I like mm-hmm. that look from back then. Like, the four or five, is, episode four or five and six looked the best to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Those the cinematography. Great. Yeah. Like, if you watch Star Wars, the original trilogy, mm-hmm. as a cinephile, you see how like crazy it is because George Lucas. This fact is wild to me, is that George Lucas, Martin Scorsese, Brian De Palma, and Steven Spielberg were all homies. They were all like New York City director homies. Like they were all close. Like, and, and they and they're all completely different genres. And they're all completely different movies. They're all like you would never even think that those people belong in the same sentence. Those those four directors are best friends, and they're the and they're greatest, all billionaires by the way. They're all the greatest directors, and they all started off like, oh, we're going to film school. Like literally started from the bottom, and now they're all the greatest of all time. But I remember them saying, there because I watched a Steven Spielberg documentary a long time ago. But uh, all of, like, George Lucas, Scorsese, and uh, Brian De Palma were talking, like, just making fun of uh, Spielberg, of how he was the, always the hardest to work with because of his movies, and how in his movies he would go always go over schedule, past schedule of, like, shooting days. Like, they would have 40 days to shoot, and he would go, like, 45. Mm-hmm. Or with budget, he would always go over budget. So... Which is crazy to me, Steven Spielberg, and how legendary he is in all of his movies. Mm-hmm. How no one, uh, Hollywood didn't trust Spielberg until he made Jurassic Park, which is late 90s. How many movies? Because, see, I only know Spielberg because of, well, because I'm a 90s child. Because of everything. Right, right. So Jurassic Park. What Indi- is Indiana Jones, Indiana Schindler's Jones. List. Uh, he made fucking he made fucking everything. Right, Jaws. it's like you can't. I can't. He made I can't ET. Think color of it. That's what I was going to say. E. I wanted to make before I say ET. I wanted to make sure I was correct. But ET for he sure. He made Color Purple. He made Empire of the Sun. He made oh, Purple. Jesus Christ. He made Duel. My mom watched super low key movie. I'll I'll do that cinephile. He made he made Duel in uh, 1972. So when you hear about these people, you did catch me if you can too, right? I think the Goonies, the Post, yeah, catch me if you can. 
Poltergeist, Hook, Transformers, Super 8. Oh, yeah, he produced uh, uh, Transformers and shit. Mm-hmm. He produced Super 8, which is a Memoirs very... Memoirs of a Geisha. Ugh. Great movie. I remember I watched that movie. I was like, this is a prostitute movie? <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, Steven Spielberg, he was, no one, Hollywood didn't like him and didn't trust him. So how do you feel about that? I mean, that's what I was going to ask. How do you feel about, not how do you feel? I I will say this, that when you tell me about these people and how they like, Mm -hmm. nobody knows them until like, these people were grinding for like 18 years, some of Mm -hmm. them. Martin Scorsese, like these people, 15 years. Martin Scorsese, to me, I, he is my like third favorite of all time. Like I love like Tarantino always number one. Or even uh that that podcast I sent you and Chris the other day on Are You Garbage and it had Chaz Palmentary in it mm-hmm. from a, a Bronx Tale. Yeah. He was saying that he that's why I sent it to you especially I know Chris would like it. Yeah. But he was telling the story about how his his trip out to Hollywood, how he came from New York. Mm-hmm. And he was like pitching scripts, and everybody was like, "No!" And it was just that kind of story. They were like, you know, his car was yeah. smoking out front of a club that he pulled up to. He was a bouncer, mm-hmm. like he was known for smacking people for like Martin Scorsese. Like he was smack yeah. people, like he smacked people on set. Like like Martin Scorsese, I view him as such a like he's, people grind. He's people the biggest cinephile years. out there. Like he will tell you. Like, a, uh, the behind the scenes of a 1943 French movie, and he'll talk about the editor, but the first editor, the before he got fired, mm-hmm. and like just shit like that is so crazy. Which is like, not I want to say like I aspire to be like that because that shit comes naturally when you just love film that much and you look into it that much. And shout out to Martin Scorsese because he restores a lot of old films. And how he talks about, like, I think he said, like, 89% of the short films, or not short films, silent films, are gone. And he's trying to, like, he, like, in his, uh, with his money, he's re- paying to restore and, like, fix all of these, like, rolls of film mm-hmm. and have them copied so they can be on, either available on Blu-ray or whatever, or... On streaming services. That's why people... He's trying to save old movies so they don't get lost. Well, that's why people... And that's why when I was in uh, school, and I was in... And I just... And I went to a recording school where we did, like, film training, too, because, you know, it's synonymous. Like, remember I told you that the board that I worked on was the same board that they bought it from uh, Lucas. Yeah. So that was the board that they mixed on Star Wars on. That's crazy. So, so it, it is crazy because I was like, I'm touching the fader that people mix Star Wars on. Like, some of the best cinematic music That's ever. insane. It's like, because I, when you say shit like that, it reminds me of like when I, when I work with like cameras and shit mm-hmm. or when I, when I'm around lenses mm-hmm. and like I see, I look at these lenses like they're like these ancient artifacts and these historical you know what i mean people like, did magic like this. like they're from outer space you know mm-hmm. like it's like this should be like in some lab somewhere but that's why i was literally saying, that's why everybody that's why about back to school my a lot of my teachers were like they hate these like film buffs or music buffs who are like i only like to do it on film i only like to do it on uh real to real and they're like you know how fucking expensive that is one this and is- they're like Dude, that shit gets too hot and it's gone. People keep that shit in the freezer. Yeah, and like if it gets eighty-two degrees, your film is ruined. Because I follow, you know, some 
indie filmmakers, yeah. and they have stocks of film in their freezer next to their fucking because it needs to ice be cream, dark you know I mean? and freezing. It needs to be because if it gets, I promise you, seventy five degrees, seventy eight ambient with some it's humidity. Ruined. That's why it's those ruined. silent films are gone because they literally were just sitting there and they mm-hmm. and it's. It's the, like it's what like it's made out it's of. It's like albums. It's yeah, like records. What it's made out of is not like it doesn't it's not, not break it's down. It's not super durable. Yeah, it's like, like if you don't take care of it, it'll fuck up. It'll start to get brittle. It'll lose its uh, moisture. Mm-hmm. It stuff that stuff starts to happen to film. And so that's why I love digital because uh, there is a place in Sweden where they're keeping everything, mm-hmm. like all music. All, everything that we've ever made, they're keeping it in this bunker. It's like an archive. Yeah, yeah. and it's just it's just a hard drive. And I'm like, there's 15, 50 terabytes of human like humankind. That's insane. Like my boss, he also said the same thing about how he's like, it's in our nature to destroy each other. We you we are the most surprising species that has ever existed. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff that we pull off, we're literally is, changing the world. Yeah, whether we we terraform it. Th- yeah, the way we. Th- it depends on how you think of it, and or maybe it's both ways of like we're changing the world in a sense of how we think, and like the technology we we create changes what we can do, and like, but it's also for the worse as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a balance. That's why I love Star Wars. I told the man the other day, I was like, Star Wars is not good and bad. It's episode, way deeper. Episode than that. one, the one with Darth Maul, has a very like two thousand one. And like Ad Astra, has a very spiritual connection with mm-hmm. me because of uh, Liam Neeson's character. Yes. His thought process on everything and the way he goes about being a Jedi is very, like, Buddhism. Like, he was a, uh, they they called him one of the first, I'm glad you brought him up. They, like, they called him one of the first Gray Force users mm-hmm. where he has, like, kind of like this. Let's he, not get too nerdy. <laughs> yeah, but he like teeters on that balance. Like he's one of the few who like I I don't go too good and I don't go too bad. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I like you were saying like it goes you know from here to here. It's like it's not always good and bad, mm-hmm. you know. So because there's this I posted it. I think I archived it on my Instagram, but it was a post about uh, Liam Neeson's character. And it was a whole thing of like when I was a little kid and the first time I've seen, I saw the scene where the, it was the red laser walls mm-hmm. where it would be like 30 seconds where it's away and then it'll come back on and it's there for 30 seconds. And then just the part where they're fight, they're in the middle of a fight with Darth Maul and then the red beams or the walls come up. And so, and Darth Maul's on one side and Liam, I forgot his name. Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn is on the other. And while it goes, while the walls go up, it's up for 30 seconds. And so what Qui-Gon Jinn does is he puts down his lightsaber and he gets on his knees and he closes his eyes and breathes. And I'm just like, that's the most Jedi shit I've ever seen in my life. Like that, when I saw that as a little fucking kid and I was like, this dude is in the fight for his life right now. And he fucking gets on his knees. And also amazing writing because Darth Maul was the exact opposite. Like literally pacing back and forth mm-hmm. like an animal. Like, that's what they, like a, pred- yeah, a predator. Yeah, somebody said that's what they were trying to like get across. Like he's a predator. Like he wants to kill Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like that's his purpose right now. He mm-hmm. hates them. And so that's he's just why, yeah. standing there like. Just, he's I just love him. He just 
staring at Qui-Gon Jinn. And you just see Qui-Gon Jinn on his knees closing his eyes. Like, he's meditating. Yeah. And, and he's just staring, just pacing back and forth. And I was, that shit changed, like, I literally changed my life. Like, forever. Whether I knew it when I was little, but now, like, obviously. Just relax. Like, let's I'm just, down. like, just breathe. That's what it reminds, like, I po- in the post, it was, like, when shit gets hard, and sure, shit gets wild, and you can't control it, the best thing you can do is just close your eyes and just breathe. Because being like Darth Maul, being a predator about it, and, like, trying to fucking go all out in it is not going to work out. Because that'll only make it worse. But when you fucking, you can get it, you get a certain when you, place. When you just breathe, that's when you're more in your own, like, in the right headspace. Well, I mean? Why do you think he lost then? Not to like again, not to get too nerdy, but why did he lose? Just because Darth Maul was better. Darth Maul was a good Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. He was. I mean, he was sick with it. He was fucking crazy. <laughs> that, double, that was the first time. I didn't even know shit about Star Wars, and I knew a double-sided lightsaber was a big deal. Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck, that's I was like, dope. oh, that's a huge deal. I was like, this dude's going to destroy everybody. Yeah. He was my favorite character. I mean, and I'm not going to lie, he's great in the game, too. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about, pur- you mentioned purpose, and that's what 2001 reminds me of. And another thing, that's why I love, I mean, let's finish on the. I want to end on this, kind of. I want to. I mean, I don't give a fuck how long this episode is because I have a lot to talk about that I want to mention. But when you talk about purpose, with two thousand one, why I, it it's kind of like how I love uncut gems because the monolith in two thousand one is similar to the opal and mm-hmm. and uncut gems. How it's this like thing you look into and it's like a sign of like just like almost growth you know maybe not in uncut gems but like uncut gems it's more of like luck more of positivity of like something you like in dire need of kind of Mm -hmm. i mean i guess it is in both and it's something you're in dire need of and like and and good time the the main character i mean we talked about good time how if you're a sibling, if you're a brother, you can really like relate to it in a way. Like if you look, I like looking at Good Time in the sympathetic way, not how like this guy makes terrible decisions one after one. But what I love about Good Time is that you he puts you in that place of, or the directors put you in that in in his head of like you see why he's making these decisions and like you trust him in making these decisions. And it's like yeah, it's not the best decision. But it's like, what the fuck else are you gonna do right now? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like one how I live my life is like, oh fuck, that went wrong. Now it's time to just adapt. There's no trying to fix the past. Adapt right now and let's fucking do it. But when uh, like the way the character is shaped is like we were talking about purpose. Like he's very purpose driven. He's obsessed with like this is what I need to do. Like. What like there's so many things that are ha- like in good time. He literally says there's things that are happening tonight and all these things that it's directly um, has to do with my purpose. And so when you watch Uncut Gems, it's like the same thing. And like when and the, I love how they used an opal because it's like one. It's a very old stone. It's like you like it's one of those like the the mythology around it is very like when you look into an opal, you can see the entire universe. Mm-hmm. And it's very, like, something they, they really need. And the whole thing about Kevin Garnett is he's very, 
passionate like that as well. He, uh, as a player, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. when like I grew up, I don't watch basketball much anymore. I honestly stopped watching basketball when Kobe retired. But when you when you think when I think of Kevin Garnett, I'm pretty sure this is everybody. When you see how you know how passionate he is about as a player, well known for that, and how he's very he's full of like just like this radiant energy and how like when he plays. He could, like even to his uh, his post game interviews with fucking Marv Albert, you see like that's his he's still playing the game like he knows how to play the crowd like he's almost like he when he was playing a basketball game he thought of it as like theater mm-hmm. you know like this is all his his it's it's in it's his, his control arena. yeah if you if you look at his like out of game rituals. He's a very disciplined guy. Like, yeah, runs he's on the a, beach at like four o'clock in the morning every morning. Mm-hmm. Meditates, does yoga. He's a but very spiritual the court, person. Yeah. Yeah. Then you hear about when he told Carmelo Anthony that Lala tasted like Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> like he he's like that's what he does on the. They say that's what he. He's he a did. very intense, like passionate player, and yeah. I I love how they included him. Even though he, I know, like I've done so much research. You know, I've do. Plenty of research on the Safdie brothers, but he wasn't the original, you know, player that they were going to use in the film. Like they were going to use, uh, there was a time where they were going to use Amari Stoudemire. I would have loved that because he's you know known for being a black Jew. Mm-hmm. So that would have directly connected. And what I love about the Safdie brothers is that with every different player that they got or different artists, like you know how the weekend was in it. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was like ASAP Ferg. Like they were just trying to find these New York artists. Which, the weekend blew up in New York, but he's obviously from Toronto. I mean, it's Toronto is like literally right there. Yeah, they're like six hours, maybe so, eight hours from each other. And so, like, seeing how dedicated they were to like every time there's a different person, because originally Sasha Baron Cohen was gonna be uh, Adam Sandler's part, mm. and they, I and it was actually I just learned this the other day that Jonah Hill was actually a consideration and. Adam Sandler's part, Nobody, which it, w- it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been the same movie because, like I said, they changed the script with every character that changes. So it's it's not like Jonah Hill would have been Adam Sandler because they would have changed because they the Safety Brothers know Jonah Hill can't act like that, Mm-mm. so they would have changed the whole. Adam Sandler plays a middle aged Jew better than anybody else, <laughs> and so like, but going back to like Amari Stoudemire and how spiritual he is as a person, you know, and. I think they went. To, there was really going to be Joel Embiid, and how uh, trolling he is, and even how spiritual Joel Embiid is as a person from Africa, and and dealing with you know if he was in the movie it would have been uh, dealing with like kind of the uh, capitalism mm-hmm. of p- part of it. But uh, obviously, Uncut Gems is a great movie. But the reason I brought it up is because we're talking about purpose in life, you know, like when people know their purpose and almost go with it to, to, a to a toxic level. And like, there's, there's, you know, have you heard of Lenny Cook? Why does that name sound familiar? He's a, he was the number one high school basketball prospect in the world in 2001 which is the same year LeBron was coming out. Mm. So he was above LeBron in high school. And obviously LeBron came straight out of high school, but Lenny Cook was the number one. And he was all over like Slam magazine and all that. And so, but I 
when I look at it in that sympathetic like view is like he knew his purpose and that's why he didn't succeed. Like he didn't even go to the NBA or anything or he, he kind of got trapped, not trapped. Like he on his own made the choice to like, no, I don't want to go to the NBA. Like I like it. Like we were talking, people like being in the hood. Mm -hmm. People like doing this, even though he knew he would be successful and everything. But sometimes he knows it's not his place. When you're successful, that changes you. The money changes you for the worst. And you would, turn your back on people you grew up with. So that's why I look at it in He that. probably already felt people doing that coming for, up. He probably certain, knew. For that certain perspective, I see, like, he knew his purpose. He mm -hmm. knew what he had to do in life. And so people are like, oh, he's a dumbass for doing this, for fucking up. Like, he didn't fuck up. He chose this. He didn't fuck up. And so, like, seeing shit like that of, like, people having their purpose in life and, like, maybe, like, knowing it, you know what I mean? Instead of, like, some shit happens and you're, you know, like, it's like a mantra of being like, this is my purpose. This is supposed to happen, you know, like God's plan type shit. So seeing that kind of stuff in movies is really what I like. Like we were talking about character studies, like full, this comes full circle with Ad Astra of like someone's purpose of like, especially when you're talking about Ad Astra, he thinks his answers are in the stars mm -hmm. or with his dad, but they're really not. He just had to have that confrontation to get past what he's going through. And then now he has all the answers within himself. That's what Ad Astra is about. <sighs> there we good. That's in it right there. That was fucking a good little. I was about to say, I was like, what else can we say about Ad Astra? Also, I just, we'll talk about it. We'll stop recording right now, but I just want to put it out there on the podcast. It was crazy with Mortal Kombat. It was weird seeing it. As a cinephile, on anim it was shot on anamorphic lens. It was what does that mean? It's a different kind of lens. It's a, there's a different look to everything, because usually movies commonly use spherical lenses. But anamorphic is this crazy, like... I'll, I'll explain it, but I just want to put it out there. Did for you like the movie? I thought it was entertaining. Thank you. I thought People it was entertaining. Like, oh, that movie fucking sucked. I'm like... What, what did you, you expect? expect? Like it's fucking Mortal Kombat. <laughs> like it was really better than the this? first Mortal Kombat movie. Way better. Way, Way better. better. And I saw on your story you posted Kano is hilarious, and I haven't seen it yet. And I watched it, and that dude is hilarious. The fucking kick, like. I told Amanda, I said, this was for people who played Mortal Kombat. A lot of the yeah. little quips it's in that movie. It's just like the game. Yeah. It's just, the movie it is, is just like the game. It was like the part where Liu Kang was like doing the kick and he was jumping. Mm -hmm. Then he was like. I'm glad with <laughs> Liu Kang, when he first appeared and Kano was like, you shot a fireball. How did you do that? I always wondered that as a kid. I was like, how the fuck does Liu they Kang. They never explain why this human has powers. I like how they, the Arcano thing. That was a great explanation to why these people have these fucking abilities. Mm -hmm. Or the Sub-Zero and Scorpion, you finally fleshed out that storyline. Yeah. Instead of, like, the original Mortal Kombat. Granted, it was the 90s. Yeah. But this one was way more, like, well thought out. Yeah. So. It's like, there's a date. The, everything had a reason to it. It wasn't just, it wasn't just hey, there's a characters. Yeah. and we need to bring all of these characters together. I'm glad they never brought Johnny Cage in. I'm, I'm, I, I'm glad they're, I heard, I don't know if this is true, but I hope it is, but I'm glad they're like doing a series. There's going to be a trilogy or some shit. Uh, there's going to be yeah. a, a sequel. So they're going to bring more characters into yeah. the fray. So. Because I liked how this movie wasn't Mortal Kombat. This wasn't the tournament. Yeah. It was like, 
a very good storyline of like, oh, I'm just trying to cheat. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to like yeah. kill everybody before the fucking tournament. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh shit, I forgot. Spoiler alert. Nobody, we can cut this part out, right? Probably. We could probably just cut out. I just want to mention that it was shot on anamorphic lens, which was very like off-putting. I'm like, that's a very like cinephile choice for this like high Did it budget. make it look different? It definitely, I mean, in some scenes, like when the scene where the main guy, the new guy, uh-huh. I don't know his name, but it's some random dude. He's not even in the video game, I think. I think he's like in the later games. No, I think they made him up for this. And then he, when he goes to see Sonya Blade for the uh-huh. first time and Kano's there like chained up, that whole scene of when he's like breaking in, that looks very cinematic, but like when you're seeing the fight scenes... It's very like oh, it's a fight scene, like mm-hmm. with special effects and everything. Also, like so, still, like maybe more still shots you yeah. can tell. Like, oh, this is shot really well because mm-hmm. you see like the. What about the beginning, like in the forest with? Uh, it looks dope. It looks like a samurai movie. Yeah, dude. it, it lo- does. That's what I like. It looks so dope. It like, was like this is very reminiscent of samurai, like a Kura Kurosawa type shit. Right, and the fact that Sub Zero is Chinese and not Japanese. Probably shouldn't say Kira Kurosawa because he's Japanese and samurai. But it's that Asian, you know, traditional yeah. Asian like look, and it, it looks so good on like the lenses they use. But yeah. All right. Let's end it right there. Oh, make sure subscribe, follow. None of this really matters on Instagram. Leave a rating, uh, leave a review, you know, if you're really about it. Shout out to A Brown. Thank you. And uh, I'll see you guys next week.